ladies and gentlemen of all ages, the generation that probably brings to like no to be the man. Woo! You got no. I am the Miz, and I oh, oh hell no! no, 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 no. <laughs> Acknowledge me. I like that, but that ain't I, it. I, I, oh, I like here you go. Here, 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 here. What's going on, people, man? As you know, you got your boys coming here with Heavy Hitter Wednesday. I am your host, the Debonair, the sixth man, almost 1K, K Styles in the building. And to my stage left, if you already know, Heavy Hitter, Mad Scientist, Mad Mike Sports, pop, 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 boom. And down here at the bottom, it is heavy hitter minister. Jew talk sports. Calm before the storm. Now, as before we do the show, you already know that we got to give y'all the right words. What three words do we give them, Mike? And today's roll call, we're going to kick it off with Floyd Dolly in the building. We got Marwin Johnson. That is one of our fam right there, man. We got Melvin Emery, Bubba Gump, Darnell Pat Partridge. We got Brian Little, William Amy. Jerry Bowie, Red Swarm, appreciate you joining us, man. Blizz 818. Bobby Boy's on three, man. He got a birthday coming soon. So if we don't say it on that day, we give you an early one. Even though he said about two weeks away. We still don't get an early birthday, bro. We got um D. Coleman, Trey Hill. Silas Draven. We got Jarvis back in the building, man. It's been a while since I've seen that name. We got Michael Walker. Not that Michael Walker. Bit Tone. Ty Bonds. Lucho Grundy. God damn, y'all asses is in here heavy right now. (laughs) We definitely appreciate y'all, man. We definitely appreciate y'all. We got ATL Leo, Wallace Smith. Blackberry, Lorex, y'all make sure y'all show him some love. That's one of the family in itself. You got one of the OG watchers, Ephraim Jones in the building. We got Low Ski, Trauma Locks, Said to Raw, Dasman Capel, Rashad. T- okay, okay, we're gonna do a couple more. Xavier Littman, Tony Wright. <laughs> Prince, one vamp, and Lyric's mom. We got Coach K in the building, too. Not that Coach K, but we got a Coach K in here. All right. And got my homie in here, Sonya. Definitely appreciate all y'all tuning in. So we're going to start it in three, two, one. Ah. Let's go ahead and get to the program now, people. As we already know, more Atlanta Falcons training camp news and thoughts. And 
where do you think the direction of this is going, especially when you're hearing the interviews from, well, I say the press conferences from Arthur Smith and some of the dumbass questions that we've been seeing they've been getting here the last couple of days has really been intriguing to me. Now, we're going to go ahead and get training camp thoughts. We're going to let the minister bless us. With the first pitch, yeah. What's your thoughts on training? Oh wait a minute, hold on. Let's go ahead and get this super chat. We have a forty nine ninety nine super Ooh. chat. Well, that sounds like a, uh one of those nineties uh, 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 shows, maybe like late at night. Forty nine ninety nine. Are you lonely? Are you a lonely single? And you need somebody to talk to? No. <laughs> We got forty nine. We got we got we look we got hot young singles um ready to satisfy your needs and wants and stuff. Just call us at one eight hundred got them. It's forty nine ninety nine every thirty minutes. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, shout out hey, to Dad McCapple for the 49.99, man. He said bully ball is in full effect. I'm happy seasons here. I'm happy we back in action. Positive vibes only for the bird game. Y'all boys keep pushing great content. I mean MIA trying to graduate this September. Hey man, hey, don't worry about that, man. You just go ahead and graduate, man. Like I said, at the end of the day, man, you live for another day, you accomplish what you need to do. Hey. That's how you stay on your grind right here, bro. Yes, sir, man. Keep doing your thing, bro. We definitely appreciate that, man. And we definitely appreciate everybody regardless. But go ahead, you. What you got for the people? Yeah, first of all, I just want to tell them we definitely appreciate uh, the support. And congratulations on getting ready to graduate, man. Um, but with that being said, we see it's been a lot of news because the camp has started. Basically, the season is upon us. Uh, tomorrow is the Hall of Fame game, so the first official preseason game uh, to kick off the season. But just in the Atlanta Falcons uh, training camp, we were just kind of talking off camera, and I was saying, like, it's going to be tough. The competition is real this year. Um, I think that they did a good job with Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith, and the whole training, you know, training staff that we have, the coaching staff that we have, the scouts. I think they did a really good job of putting this team together. Um, we have a lot – of, of young players, but I think that that's a, can be a good thing because these guys are hungry. We got a lot of young guys, and the, for the veteran guys that we do have, majority of those guys are on one year deals, similar to the last season. So you have a lot of guys that's hungry, that's ready to prove that either um, if they're a young player that they can play on this level, and then for the veteran guys, you have guys playing for a new contract, like you have the Lorenzo Carters that's playing for a big contract to prove that he's one of the better pass rushers, young pass rushers. You have the Marcus Mariotas that's looking to prove that he's still a starter in this league and trying to hold off the young pup with Desmond Ritter. So, I mean, you have so much talent, young talent on this team, and a good mixture of veterans with them as Grady Jarrett just got a new contract. Cordell Patterson just got a new contract. So I'm really, really excited. Like I was telling you guys prior to the show starting, I'm really, really excited to see – who makes the team, and I'm really excited to see these preseason games because it's hard to tell just looking at training camp and these one-on-one drills and stuff like that because they can't tackle and things of that nature. 
it's one thing to, you know, look like you're there to make the play, but then actually have to take somebody to the ground in a live game when they start, you know, playing preseason games mm-hmm. and making plays when they're there to be made. We always talk about those one or two plays that change games uh, once the regular season starts. So this is the chance for these young guys. You guys know I'm huge, a huge fan of D. Alford, the cornerback, who I've been watching closely. But there's also been a lot of rumblings that uh, Darren Hall, today they say he was looking really good and he's been looking really good, like he's ready to make that next step. So it's a lot of second-year guys that's looking to, you know, raise that bar. We've been waiting on Marlon Davidson. We've been waiting on Ogan Deji. You know, they're trying to hold off the uh, AKs. They're trying to hold off the D'Angelo Malones. That's trying to take their spot. You know, they starting spots. So I'm really interested because of the hunger and the competition. And I don't know if you guys heard Dean Pease talking, but it looked like he ready to when – you, when you start talking about Baltimore Ravens, when you start talking about Patriots, and that's what you want our defense to look like, mm-hmm. I'm going to just – there, <laughs> but <laughs> we know that he loved defense, and we know that we all love the trenches and love defense. So, just listening to him talk, you know, just had me salivating. Like, okay, he's not playing around. You know, these guys they hungry, and that's what I like to see. I want to see these guys hungry and these guys ready. As we talked about last show two weeks ago, you got to have those guys that's gonna cross the line at sometimes. And you heard Arthur Smith say, we don't want guys that we have to push. We want guys we got to pull back and show them where the line is. We want guys that's going to cross the line (laughs) on their own. Get a flag on your own and have me have to tell you to calm down. So with that being said, I'm going to let you guys go ahead and take it. My bad. My bad. I just saw Drake London put uh, Casey Hayward on skates here for a quick second. Um, (laughs) Go ahead, Mike, man. Let you go ahead and follow up on uh, that man Drew kind of got me revved up I'm a I'm a scheme guy when it comes down to offense and defense special teams like I, I'm I'm just in the scheme and one thing that I've I've seen um as far as scheme is concerned that really has me intrigued is the ability to have two um hmm I, I yeah I'll go with this right but two tight ends that can stretch the defense. And what I'm seeing from Felipe Franks is a guy that's not playing. He's not here to play fair. He's not here to learn. He's not here to wait on guys to help him, you know, get a spot on his roster. He's hungry. And he looks natural as hell. And I know I'm probably in case style. I apologize for taking your thunder on this a little (laughs) bit. Uh, But he – the Falcons have the ability now to make the boundaries a little bit less um, crowded. And what I mean by that is now teams are going to have to focus on Kyle Pitts. They're going to have to focus on um, Felipe, Drake London, because these guys are going to be running wild in the middle of the the defense. And in the defense, I don't – I don't I'm gonna be honest, not you can't have three, you can't have two, three linebackers that are able to cover these guys in the middle of the field. It's just not happening. You cannot cover Drake London in the middle of the field. You sure as hell is not gonna cover Kyle Pitts in the middle of the field with a linebacker. I mean, Michael Walker, he kind of figured that out, trying to start out there with that guy. 
and then and you picture him in the middle of the field when there's that's not a lot of um as far as the middle of the field that's not a lot of help there like it, it's just you in space so having a guy like felipe drake london and i'm even leaving out a guy that i've i've been impressed with so far and him making them big time like incredible acrobatic catches and that's all than tate he's who has been absolutely insane right now like i i'm 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 impressed with what i'm seeing from all the tape with just his ability to make those acrobatic catches so the falcons are going to be a problem when it comes down to being able to match up uh, with these guys it's impossible for for a team to be able to match up with every one of those big guys so um the tight end position for the falcons is something that i'm really intrigued and i'm really happy about uh for what i've seen so far so yeah i don't think there's linebackers in this in the nfc south that's going to be able to match up with the falcons uh size it's just not happening very very insightful very insightful as you already know this is why we are the heavy hitters we give you the stats the facts, the truth, mm-hmm. and entertainment. So we got four things going on for us. <laughs> got some of everything. <laughs> but, yeah, um, you kind of stole my shine on that one, Mike. Um, I, 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 I forgive you for that. I forgive you for that. <laughs> but I'm going to take this in a whole nother direction as well. Um I'm gonna go with like I said, and I know, I know, and I'm kind of kind of kind of gauging how the chat is going right now. That's why you kind of see me kind of looking off to the side mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, um, the biggest question mark for the Atlanta Falcons right now is that offensive line. I mean, it's not really a solidified position going outside of Jake Matthews and Chris Lestrum. I mean, Caleb McGarry has been tearing it up in camp too. Mm. Mm. But as we already know, the main talking point on that offensive line is Jalen Mayfield. And what did we say, Mike, about Jalen Mayfield is when he gets in trouble, he tends to go back to those tackle tendencies, and that's where Mm -hmm. he gets beat a lot. Mm -hmm. So this is why you bring in a – Elijah Wilkinson. This is why you bring in a Jermaine Fetty. You got guys that are veterans that can pick up. Just like how my phone just said it there. Can pick up things a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. So if Jalen Mayfield's not ready, you got a capable backup. You got a capable guy right there. Not asking him to be a pro bowler. Just do your damn job. We still don't know what's going on with the center position. Um, they kind of interject, intertwining them back and forth and back and forth, still trying to figure out who's going to be that legit anchor right there. Because as we already know, how the on the offensive line, the center position is one of the most important positions on that offensive line because he is the extension of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
He has to make the right reads. He has to see the same thing as the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And we don't know who is really leading that race. You got Dalman doing one day and Hennessy coming back and going ham. It's like, boom. Then we got videos of Mayfield getting beat by Derek Tangelo and stuff. So outside of Matthews and Lindstrom, you still got a whole bunch of things, moving parts to figure out. Which is good because you need to find the best five. The best five that play together. They don't have to be the best five, but they have to be the best five that gel together. So that's my little quick one right there for you. So let me go ahead, since we got that out the way, let me go ahead and ask ask a question. I kind of I kind of alluded to this. And any one of y'all can start start anyone of y'all can answer this question first but what what is your expectations on this linebacker core I Mike we've heard Mike talk about this a lot but Jew I want to get your take on these linebackers because as we've already been hearing the stories about Deion Jones and how people reporting about attitude and injuries and system stuff. But we're seeing a lot of these clips where we got a lot of these linebackers getting beat in coverage. So what is your what would like like what is your love hate? thing going on with these linebackers i mean i already knew prior to seeing training camp i already knew what time it was when it came to Deion jones and the current linebackers that we have i talked about it in my last video that i did where i talked about um vincent taylor you know rupturing his achilles like you it's just like what they talk about when you i'm gonna put this analogy out there when you had that good girlfriend that that good woman and then you let her walk you sometimes don't know how good you got it until that person is gone and i think it's mm-hmm. the same thing with Deion jones it's easy for us to talk bad about Deion jones because he's still on the falcons but if we lose him and he goes to another team and starts to ball out and then we see that these guys that we got really can't cover then we're gonna realize how you know how good we actually had it with Deion jones so i feel like Deion jones is one of those guys that's underappreciated like we already know we lost four years and last season, because Foyer led the team in tackles, you know, everybody pretty much trashed Deion Jones. And I feel like it's kind of been that way where everybody's saying that he played bad last year. Like all these articles that the media is writing about Deion Jones is like, well, he didn't play well. Even though we knew that he had a shoulder injury, we still, you know, we fail to talk about that. Everybody's just talking about the mere fact that Deion Jones didn't, you know, everybody's saying he didn't play well. So personally, I think, with this linebacking core, it's a reason why Rashawn Evans, the Titans, didn't re-sign him. He was a first-round pick out of Alabama. He's a downhill-type linebacker. He's not good in coverage. We know that. Um, Troy Anderson, 
he's a guy that he can cover, but we haven't seen him do it on this level. And you guys know how I feel about that. It's like I feel like we have to see you do it at the high level before I'm going to move on from a Deion Jones. It'll be a different story if we had Foyer still on the team. And then at that point, we're saying, okay, we're going to move on from uh, Deion Jones because I've seen Foyer uh, cover. And I've seen him kind of can step right in and be a Pro Bowl linebacker. But the guys that we currently have on the roster, I can't legitimately say any of these guys, even Michael Walker. Yeah, I've seen him do it in spurts and in spats. But have we seen him consistently shut down an Alvin Kamara? Have we seen him consistently shut down a Christian McCaffrey? I've seen Deion Jones do that year in and year out and make it look easy. So pretty much that's my biggest problem. Uh, with you know what's being said about Deion Jones and the linebacking core in general, is I have to see these guys do it before I'm just going to move on from a great player. And I talked about in my last video, depth. You know at some point somebody's going to get nicked. Somebody's going to get injured. So even if you got Deion Jones coming off the bench, which I think is disrespectful to Deion Jones, like you can't tell me that Troy Anderson is going to be out, beat out a, a healthy Deion Jones when he comes back for that starting position. If he does it, hats off to him because, as we know, we can't get attached to players. As we've seen Matt Ryan, we've seen Julio Jones, we've seen the Calvin Ridley's, all these guys not currently on this roster. So I've never been tied to just simply one player, but I know how great of a Deion Jones is. I haven't seen Deion Jones gain you know, decline. If I seen the decline, I would admit to it, but I haven't seen. So my biggest problem is we're trying to just allow these young guys to take Deion Jones spot. But to me, none of these guys are proven and I'm not moving on from a proven guy. It's just like what we say all the time with the Grady Jarrett situation. When before he got paid, everybody's like, well, let's just move on. Let's just move on. You don't get rid of great players. That's just personally how I feel. You want to add to your, you want to add on to your team. You never want to let great players walk. And if it was our decision and we had the money, believe me, they wouldn't have let Foyer walk in free agency. We just didn't have the money to pay him. And they said that. You heard Terry Fontenot say it. We would love to have Foyer back. So I feel like we should be treating Deion Jones the same way we treated Foyer. He's under contract. You're not going to save anything but a million dollars if you get rid of him. So what good is it allowing him to walk? because you're not going to find a Deion Jones on the street. And trust me, if we put Deion Jones, like release him, he's going to be picked up within a couple of days. Easy. Like all the, Pretty much all the teams in the league are going to put in a waiver for Deion Jones to be on their roster. And it has nothing to do with, you know, everybody's focusing on the salary of what Deion Jones makes. I feel like the biggest issue is you play in a passing league. We talk about it. You play in a league where everything is spread out. If you don't have guys that can cover, especially at that linebacker position, uh, Mike just talked about it. Kyle Pitts. You can't tell me on this team that any of those guys can cover better than Deion Jones. We've seen these guys getting cooked by Kyle Pitts. So just imagine when we played the Travis Kelseys, when you go up against the, the Kittles of the world. We know it's a lot of great tight ends in the league or a lot of good tight ends in the league. So you got to have guys that can cover at linebacker. A lot of good tight ends and a lot of slot receivers. And running outs. I want to get to the uh, the kind of answer something real quick. It goes into what, but see a little conversation that's going on in the, in the uh, 
in the chat and this is something that we've already done the homework on and it was called the miseducation of Dion jones was basically um debunking the idea that size matters or dmps is looking for a particular size of guys which just isn't true um we have Dion jones we we did the homework on um dean p's defense and the thing that we've seen that have been consistent is guys who are about the same size as Deion Jones. So to say that Deion Jones, that the size matter in a Dean P's defense, um, stats show that he prefers smaller guys that are able to move around and, and get to certain spots more so than guys who, who are big and like to fill gaps. Dean Pease is all about coverage first. I need people to understand it. He doesn't care about your ability to do any, like one particular thing with him. He likes linebackers that are able to do multiple things. That's why he said when, you, when he was asked, what defense are you going to uh, play, 3-4 or 4-3? His word was, yep. Okay? He does not care about what your size is and all that type of stuff. If you can play, if you can cover, you can fill those gaps, you can tackle well, you play uh, smart and intelligent, that's what he cares about. So he doesn't care about size. If you look at the the Falcons' defense right now, most of their players are undersized. If you look at the guys uh, up front, most of the guys are not your prototypical defensive tackle. Taquan Graham is a guy that's about 280, 290. Grady Jerry is about uh, 290, 300. Um, Marlon Davis, the same body size. So when you talk about the Falcons and Dean Pease and saying that, you know, Deion Jones doesn't fit it within the scheme, there's nothing um, in Dean Pease's scheme that says that Deion Jones doesn't. If anything, he's the prototypical linebacker that he's always had, a guy that has the ability to not only cover but fill the gap, play with intelligence, and he can get after the quarterback. That's one thing that he prizes in his defense is the ability for his linebackers to get after the quarterback, to fill those gaps. He's a guy that likes to fill gaps and play a lot of zone blitzes, um, which is one of the main reasons why we went out and got guys like um, uh, AK. These guys get into a spot fast, quick. They attack the line of scrimmage. That's what he's focused on. So when we see people say that Deion Jones doesn't fit in his scheme, you can go back and do the research itself. All right? we I can pull up the video. If you want to go back and watch it again, it's called The Miseducation of Deion Jones, where we go and improve you. We don't give you none, none of this bullshit where everybody, they, they throw Deion, say Deion Jones is this and he is that, but they won't go out and actually do the research. The research, nothing that we saw that said that Deion Jones does not fit in his game. It's the complete opposite. Most of his linebackers, all he's had, all those guys said it, they, they fit in a, um, a size from from six feet to six three and about 215 to about 230, 130 pounds. Every one of those linebackers from um, – from his days in Tennessee as well as Baltimore. 
those that's the range. So he 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 like his prototypical linebacker is actually Deion Jones and Foyer size. And what people don't understand, what people don't know about Foyer, Deion is actually bigger than Foyer. I want everybody to know that Deion is actually bigger than Foyer. The thing is, Foyer is just built different <laughs> than Deion. That's probably the only difference. Okay, so when we talk about this. You can go back looking for yourself, but it's not true to say Deion Jones and uh, Dean Pease is looking for a particular size. Because if you look at the linebackers that he went out and got um, in the draft, you had two guys, Troy Anderson, about the same size. He about six, what, six, three, six, four, and he's like 235 pounds or something like that. He's another lean guy. He's just tall with his. Deion Jones is just not six four. <laughs> like that, that's a, Deion is a thick dude. I don't think people realize how big Deion Jones really is. He's not a small guy. So, like I said, you just go look at the numbers and look at the the weight, the height and weight on most of the um, linebackers that the Falcons have. They all fit around the same size. The middle linebackers. Sean Evans is a guy too. He he's about 6'2, 235 pounds, somewhere in there, 230, 235. Like he's not a very big guy. And that's a, again, these are misconceptions that have been put out by these people that say, you know, that Deion Jones doesn't fit. That's not true at all. While you was kind of talking to uh Mike, I went and looked up some sizes of different linebackers, like how tall and how how much they weigh. Darius Leonard of the Colts, I think we always say he's an elite linebacker, mm-hmm. like better linebackers in the league. 6'2", 230. I just went and looked up Deion Jones. Deion Jones is 6'1", 227. So he's three pounds heavier. So the misconception that the linebacker position over, the, over time because of these guys having to be able to cover – the linebackers have gotten smaller over time with the new generation of linebacker. So the days of seeing guys like 6'3", 250, 255, 260 at the linebacker position, a lot of these guys are smaller because you have to be able to run. And most guys are not big, you know, are big and quick. You know what I'm saying? So the misconception of Deion Jones being undersized, He's not really that understyled for today's NFL. He is if you compare him to like the 80s and 90s when you had linebackers that were bigger. But nowadays, it's a reason why they talk about box safeties. A lot of these guys, like Keon O'Neal was playing linebacker last year with the Cowboys. A lot of these guys, because guys got to be able to cover and be able to move laterally, the position mm-hmm. has gotten small over time. So us keep saying that Deion Jones, is <clears throat> he's not undersized for today's NFL. All of these linebackers are smaller nowadays. And when we're talking about a Dean P's defense, it's all going to be based on the attitude of the guy up front. It's going to be based on on them. You forget when Ray Lewis came in this league, he was about six one two thirty. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that much yeah. bigger. And he played mm-hmm. in the NFL where the rules was different. Well, it won't all of these. They won't passing the ball as much as they passing the ball now. Right. 
So essentially, you have to look at Deion Jones as kind of like a sub-package linebacker. And when you really think about it, when you really look at how how he his role is to kind of flow, play coverage, read. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the Falcons' problem was the defensive line. When you got your best defensive lineman getting triple teamed and nobody else can get can even benefit off of that, you got a problem there. Mm-hmm. Yo, starting two pass rushers had combined for five sacks last year. Seventeen games, two pass rushers, five sacks. Mm-hmm. Deion Jones and Foyer were tied in sacks. And they was literally tied for third on the team in sacks. Might have been. <laughs> wait a minute. I think it, no, I about, think they might have been second. They were tied for Deion second in sacks. You didn't say that yeah. in the case now. That's a make it make sense moment, right? <laughs> yeah. Make it make sense, bro. We want to get. We can't even sack the quarterback. We want to get with her, both of the linebackers that were getting the most sacks on the team. That don't even make sense, bro. <laughs> yeah, Come on, man. That's what that's 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 what I meant when I was talking about Dion Dean Pease want guys that that are able to just do multiple things. Dion Jones can do multiple things. Jacob Tatui Mariner was tied for. Th- second and third on this team in sack and ain't played a snap for the Falcons since week seven. <laughs> and he wasn't even a fucking starter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really where our main issue, like I said, main issue is when we're talking about Deion Jones, is there plays that could have been made on the field? Yes. He ain't the only linebacker that's missed those plays. But this is what we're talking. This is why Dean Pease was talking about trying to change the culture of the Atlanta Falcons. He's worried about the culture. And when you want to change the identity of the defense culturally, it's going to have to come down to where that defensive line's play is going to be at. Mm-hmm. As if Vincent Taylor is out. Right now, you right now you have Anthony Rush, Derek Tangelo, Taquan Graham. You got these guys, Marlon Davidson, they got to step up. You know, somebody asked the question is, is there a big guy that they should be looking at? The only guy that I could really think of the Falcons would even attempt to go. For at this moment will probably be in Dominican Sue. Yeah. If they don't get a Dominican Sue, they just gonna ride with what they got. But but the culture of the defense, the culture of the defense starts up front. No if fans are bust about it. Mm-hmm. We got Anthony Rush out here starting fights and practice. That's cool. 
Yeah, yeah. But we got to see it in the game now. We got to see that same intensity in the game. Mm-hmm. We got Timmy Horn. Timmy Horn out here. He he throwing folks around a little bit here and there too. Him and Derek Tangel. Mm-hmm. They got to do it in the game. So, if you really want to see the best of Deion Jones, defensively, like I said, well, what what's the what's a linebacker's best friend? The linebacker's best friend is a is, is the defensive line. Quarterback's best friend is the offensive line. Culture change is needed, people, and it starts up front. Absolutely, man, man, boy, I, man, I almost had a, I almost had a, 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 a minister moment there for a second. <laughs> Good Lord, the energy changed. Okay, so let me see. I, it was a couple questions that I saw in here, man. Um, and I know he kind of asked me this, but I'm, a, I want to get everybody's take on this question here. Uh, this is earlier. Darnell Parcher said, uh, what do you think of the safeties? Um, anybody can take this one first. I think I'll let Mike take it first since I've been taking all of it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Go ahead, Go ahead, When it comes to the, the safeties, I think it's going to be the young guys. I mean, we've seen it. Uh, Eric Harris, he's still been, you know, balling and doing his thing. But I think uh, Richie Grant, and Hawkins, them two guys is ready to take the bull by the horns and be the, you know, be the starters. I mean, I don't, I don't have much else to say. We've seen that practice um, at training camp. I think Richie Grant had a nice breakup against uh, Kyle Pitts. He was the only one who was able to actually hang with Kyle Pitts other than A.J. Terrell. So he had his one-on-one, and he did a good job of playing through the hands, not letting him catch the ball, kind of forcing uh, Kyle Pitts you know, out of the boundary, out of bounds. And then um, Hawkins last year, he would be the starter just based off of, to me, what he showed me last year. And he's only getting better. But last year, before he had injuries, he had like three straight games with interceptions. He had the first interception, I think, in London against the Jets. And then he had another interception against the Dolphins. So he was just balling. Like, he was a ball hawk. And when I look at safeties, I need somebody that's going to be an intimidator, controlling the middle of the field, and I need my somebody back there that's going to be an eraser, meaning at times a cornerback or a linebacker is going to get beat, but can you get to the other hash and intercept the ball and take the football away? To me, that's what I want my safeties doing. That's just me personally. I don't know about Dean Pease, but personally, that's what I like in a safety. It's a guy who's going to intercept the ball and a guy who's going to keep guys from running across the middle, and if they do come across the middle, he's going to lay them out. And that's what I see um, with the Hawkins and with a Richie Grant, both of those guys play with attitude, and both of those guys are ball hawks. So I think it's going to be easily those guys. I mean, the only guy I think that's going to get some snaps is Eric Harris, and that's because he's one of the leaders on the defense. He's one of the voices on the defense as far as I know he knows the playbook. But other than that, as far as athletically, I think Richie Grant, now that he's sat a year behind uh, the starters, both him and Hawkins, I think those guys are ready you know, to move forward as the starters. 
Hey, before Mike goes on, man, you know, we got to take the little um, intermission light count, light, light check. Um, we got 174 people in here. So combined of all channels should be, it should be at least all together, at least, let me see, it's 174. What's, what's the 50 mark on that one? So that'd be eight. It should be at least 75 likes. So while we doing that, we're gonna play the um intermission music right quick. Mm-hmm. So let y'all know y'all go ahead and get those likes up. We definitely appreciate y'all tuning in with us right now. As well as if you have not subscribed to Six Man K Styles, you could be one of the eleven that can help you boy out. We haven't held the show hostage yet on that situation, but we damn sure could. Mm-hmm. Should we hold it hostage? Who? 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 Nah, we can't do that, man. We got a show, man. These people come. Possible. Yeah. yeah we got a show, man. Exactly. So you know we gotta keep, we gotta hit you with a little bit of the um the BT12 music side of the game with this one. So like I said, y'all make sure y'all go ahead and share like this stream. Make sure you subscribe to everybody's channels. Jew Talk Sports, Mad Mike Sports, Six Man K Style. We doing it big. The heavy hitters coming to you always hard hitting, and we doing it for the people. So. What's the what's the count on it, Mike? Uh, it, it, I think we reached it. I think it's 20, 50, Yeah, we, we, we got it. We got it. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. All right. We they Mike said we got it. Mike said we got it. So we definitely appreciate y'all, man. Like I said, at the end of the day, we trying to push this message out. We trying to be the voice of the voiceless. So <clears throat> let me get my sleeve down right quick. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me say it real quick because. I, I mine are gonna be real simple, real quick. Just, just mine, real simple, real quick. And um, we need some fast guys. We need athleticism back there. Um, I, I, I'm not worried about Dean, like the safety not being smart enough. Um, I think these guys have been in this system long enough to kind of figure out what Dean wants. But they, we need some, we need some young guys that'll be able to get to certain spots. And at times, I think that was one of the main reasons why uh, Eric Harris missed a couple of interceptions because he just wasn't athletic enough to get to certain balls. Um, and I think I, we don't have to worry about that with those guys because Richie Grant can run with the best of them. Um, and we know Jalen Hawkins, in my opinion, is probably one of the most athletic, athletically gifted young strong safeties out there so i'm like i'm fine with it i i like to have some young guys back there man let them let them make mistakes man mm. let them make mistakes. that's the only way you're gonna learn from it right 
getting out there and making mistakes. Mm. So yeah, my take on the safeties, man. Um, like I said, you got you got ball hop opportunities all the way across the board. Like I say, even with the Eric Harris, like I said, Eric Harris main issue and Mike said. Man, Eric Harris' main issue was was not coming down with inter- with interceptions mm-hmm. at critical times. His drop in his two drop interceptions in against Washington came back to bite us in the ass. Ooh, his dropped interception against the Cowboys really bit us in the ass. <laughs> oh yeah, that game got ugly after that drop, boy. <laughs> the dropped interception against the Panthers. Came back and bit it the first game. The Bucks iced that the game. Bucks. We could have really put Tom Brady in the and and he dropped that one. Yeah. So, really, if you really think about it, Eric Harris, should have led this team of interceptions, but he didn't. But if you take away the drop interceptions, he really didn't play bad. Mm-hmm. Try to knock people's block off here every now and then. Need to calm that down because your ass is old and you just got you just came from working at FedEx, so your your ass don't need to be out here getting hurt. But as far as Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins, um, yeah, man, these are two young. These are two young. I call them heat seeking missiles. In a, in a good way. We ain't talk. We ain't talking about um. Donta Robinson heat seeking missile type guys. Now we ain't Ooh, talking about no, no, no. <laughs> suicidal Robinson. We ain't talking about that. Nah, but these, but these, but these guys, these guys definitely fit with what DP likes in a lot of his players, and there's guys that are going to attack the line of scrimmage, guys that are attack minded. Um. They said Richie Grant just he just needed more playing time. And like I said, when Jalen Hawkins came in, he was doing his job. He he damn sure was doing his job for a good pitch stretch period of time. Mm-hmm. So I think our safety position is gonna be pretty good. Um don't know too much about Dean Marlowe. I haven't really looked too much into him, but those guys, hell, be honest with you, you could throw Isaiah Oliver in here as a safety as well. That's essentially what he is, is a mm-hmm. strong, a, a bit nickel safety. That's that's Isaiah Oliver. Mm-hmm. But we good. Still got to rush the passes. Still need to get sacks. Your front seven get pressure. You can have a mediocre secondary, but if your front seven can get pressure and and, and, and disrupt things up front, they're only gonna make your secondary that much better. Hmm. Let's see. I want everybody to go ahead and start asking y'all questions, man. We got about another twenty minutes or so. So while y'all asking y'all questions, I gotta talk about something. I'll talk about something. I want to get y'all opinions on this. Um, what the hell is up with this edge question they asking about the Marcus Mariota about a certain edge? What is this? 
I'm glad I didn't hear because I don't know what the hell you talking about. I, I seen the I seen it uh K Styles and they almost got cussed out by Arthur Smith talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know Arthur Smith be ready to slap somebody. I don't know what? I missed that. I had to miss that one. Yeah, I, I seen the interview. So basically the question was um does he play with an edge? They were trying to compare him to Matt Ryan. Oh man, and man. basically uh <laughs> Coach Smith kind of got pissed off at the point. He's like, he's like, he's like, I remember he was saying, like, man, well, what the hell is you talking about? What does that mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he had the reporter scared to ask a question, had the reporter stopped, uh, stuttering and some more stuff. But personally, I think when it comes to it, they basically were saying, like, he was like, does he chew people out like Matt Ryan, be chewing, you know, the offensive lineman out and chewing people out, you know, to get F and set and all of that. They said, like, Marcus Mariota seems like he's just a super nice guy. Uh, when it comes to, like, the edge, to me, none of that matters if you win it. I mean, to be honest, I don't care whether you're cursing, whether you're super nice. If you're getting the job done and we winning, I don't care how you go about doing it. Uh, going about doing mm-hmm. Just win the football game. That's what I care about. Exactly. So all of this edge. Does the person cuss? Does the person slap his, <laughs> grab his offensive lineman by the face exactly. mask? Does he slap people in the butt? Does he? Who cares? <laughs> like, as long as you get the job done, I could care less. Not, the, me, not to slap him in the butt. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, it's like, I, I care oh, less, man. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We said the wrong thing because what the hell is this shit that I'm seeing right now? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> ignore uh, that, man. Ignore that. <laughs> go ahead. Go, 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 go. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh my I, I want to play this. I want to play this. I want to play this. I can't can't show y'all. Oh, no, no, can't, can't. Oh, no, 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 This is legit. Um, Here you go. When it comes to quarterback leadership styles, oh, it feels goodness. like Marcus is a little bit different than Matt's. Is that accurate? Yes, the worst thing you do, I mean, it, there's nothing more fraudulent than a quarterback tries to come in and act, but somebody's not. It's, there's a reasons why everybody play with Marcus Lozens. Um, you got these uh, gurus out there, uh, you know, these quarterback gurus, and, and they may try to tell a quarterback he's got to act a certain way, and they, they tell him as a little kid to do this or that. But can you hear that? Trying to add somebody not the frauds to get out of there, let them lead in their own way. And he's got real good leadership. Matt has his own style. Ryan Tannehill has his own style. I'm Fitzpatrick. This goes on Matt Hasselback, Jason Campbell, Mark Brunell, Doc Collins. They're all different. Josh. Watch him every day. So um, once you ask his teammates, uh, I like his style because he's himself. He seems like such a nice guy. I know Matt had a little bit of an edge. Does Marcus have an edge when it's needed or is that needed? That's such a ridiculous, like, surface, like, personality thing. Guys, that's just ridiculous, Josh. Like an edge. What kind of edge do you have? What would you do with edge? You think Matt had that Marcus doesn't or Desmond doesn't? Hollering at folks, you know, making sure. That's what I'm asking. Call it edge. I mean, there wasn't a lot of that last year. And Matt was his own guy. Marcus his own guy. I said, Tannehill is his own guy. Like I, I don't, I don't know what that fake edge is. Is some kind of bravado you want us to tell him to do? No. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> ask his teammates. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all think of that? <laughs> like I said, he basically said it all in that one comment. 
Like, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to? This fake? motherfucker want Hulk Hogan that damn quarterback. That's what the hell you want. <laughs> what you gonna do, brother? What you gonna do, brother? When the twenty-four inch python run wild? Oh my god, I'm, I'm sitting here looking like, bruh, If you if y'all pay attention and see how he was looking, if y'all hadn't seen it, um. If I if I want to hit a motherfucker was a person, that's what Arthur Smith looked like. (laughs) I bet you won't hit a motherfucker, hit a motherfucker, hit him. That that, that was him right there. Tom Brady looked like a straight up pussy. Okay, I'm gonna just come out and say it. He like a straight up pussy. He looked like I beat the shit. You would beat the shit out of him if you if you stood next to him. Let's just keep it. Do Tom Brady look intimidating? At the, let's be real. Does Tom Brady look intimidating? Hell no. So what <laughs> the hell does it? What type of? What what type of? What, what, what are we talking about, man? Because he's not yelling and screaming and, and doing all this other stuff. Y'all y'all like y'all, he's not he's not a good quarterback because he's not really animated with stuff. Because let's keep it real. If we're gonna say if we're gonna use that as as a marker of a quarterback, then guess what? One of the best quarterbacks in the game right now, Russell Wilson, all he does is talk about Bible scriptures all damn day. Nobody questions his heart. And why why his wife is busting it open all busting online and shit. We up here talking about whether or not Marcus is tough enough. I mean, what, what the hell are y'all? What's wrong with y'all, man? It's like, what? <sighs> Jesus Christ, bro. Like, some of y'all, how the hell do y'all even get degrees asking stupid shit like that? Like, that's that's what the that's the best that you could come up with when sitting, ne- <laughs> sitting next to a coach, sitting next to players. That's the best that you could come up with. And this is, look, and this, this, this 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 is why oh my god my god my god let's go to another this like let go to another point because this 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 is Jesus Christ we like we really up here questioning whether or not a guy like what type of quarterback he like huh mm. what the hell they got to do with anything <laughs> hey, look. Look I, this, I see. I, I'm trying to ignore. Look at this, look, look at this card. He said they won't Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Like, come on, hey, what are we talking about? I woke up in it feeling dangerous. I woke up feeling dangerous. <laughs> they want his ass to be Ryan Leaf in this bitch. Oh, jeez. Like, no. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God, bro. I like, bro. Oh, well, well, I like, I like. It ain't nothing intimidating. Like I said, it ain't nothing intimidating about about uh, 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 Tom Brady, but we don't question his heart. We don't question his leadership, but because y'all think a quarterback, and then like I said, I just this comes down to just them people just they want these fictional characters, somebody to look like a look like a football player, walk and talk like a football player. Ain't got nothing to do with the game. Y'all just y'all just want these fictional characters at quarterback. It's like we got to stop this nonsense, man. What kind of what kind of leader is it? <laughs> say they say say they won't they won't. Look, look, they say they won't they won't Fabio from the old novels with his hair like. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> now seeing Joe Montana, like Joe Montana was nothing. It was nothing intimidating about him, but he got the job done. Please like, don't, I'm please sorry. don't say Joe Montana. <laughs> all I can, bro, all for all my people that 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 used to have the Genesis. Anybody remember Joe Montana bro, football? Bro. All I every time I anybody say Joe Montana, only thing I think about is. Welcome to Joe Montana football. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. I, I, I can't get it, bro. I, I just don't get what people hear me at sometimes. Like, what are we talking about? Ain't nothing intimidating by half the damn quarterbacks in the league, but we up here questioning Marcus Barrier. Man, what are we talking about? The only oh, only fire response Tom Brady got is when he throw a tantrum like a three year old because he can't get the damn he, Right. <laughs> he said, he, he, he looking like this. He like grits. I asked for oatmeal and raisins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man! I, I can't. Hey, look, Devon, Devon, they said, "Mother, they McKinley had edge." <laughs> no, he played edge. He didn't have edge. Right there, you go. <laughs> he played edge <laughs> rusher. I can't, man. I can't with y'all. I just can't do it, man. Oh my goodness! I, I, I still oh. think like, like, welcome to Joe Montana football. <laughs> Every 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 game that had him on there, he did the same stupid ass smile. <laughs> <laughs> NFL NFL football ninety four. Oh man! Oh goodness gracious! I like, dude. I like, dude. We 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 cannot be coming out here trying to question somebody's stuff because they're not such and such. Essentially, what they're doing is they're trying to get the Tom Brady comparison shit. Cause everybody look at Tom Brady and all the tantrums he throw on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's got fire, he's got spunk, and stuff like that. So if you don't have that, you ain't not here throwing right. you know, throwing playbooks at people because you <laughs> threw an incomplete pass. <laughs> you ain't got no edge. But it was a very long time they said Matt Ryan didn't have no edge down here in Atlanta. That came from the reports. Mm-hmm. Because he ain't yelling and screaming and kicking players and all this type of stuff. He's not a leader. Man, what, what are we doing, man? Tim, Dun- Tim Duncan was one of the best leaders of a basketball team you ever seen, and all you saw him do was make the same goofy. His eye got big. No, his eye. That's the only time you know he was upset. His eye was that's the only emotion that you saw with Tim Duncan. His eyes get big. Like. He didn't exactly. smile or nothing. He didn't smile. Yeah. He didn't smile while you busting your ass or nothing. He just like, yep, just a regular old game. <laughs> exactly. So when we look at Marcus Mariota here, man, what is it? What it is is always it's the doubt. It, it's the um, it's it, it's doubting him because. The media perception, especially when it comes to stuff like NFL.com and this joke ass 
motherfucking pro football focus shit that people still follow. I don't know why. Has Mariota as the worst starting quarterback in the league. Which is good for him because he can prove a lot of people wrong just by not turning the ball over. Uh, Tay Rush here said, Ju, how does it feel seeing ex-players being able to interact with the team at practice? Oh, yeah, I wanted to, uh, yeah, yeah, that, I kind of wanted to speak on that too. So, Ju, I'm going to let you go ahead and bless us with that one. I mean, it's dope. I mean, especially to see Roddy White at practice today, like him talking to Drake London, him talking to Kyle Pitts, like – I always talk about, we talk about this all the time on our show. We've had, you know, on the show, the Terrence Mathesons of the world who actually went to training camp for the first time. And he said it's been years since he's been to training camp. Um, you're seeing the former Falcon players and the gems that they can drop on these young guys, like, it's invaluable. Like, you can't value the knowledge that they have about the game, especially dealing with the young players that we have. We don't have on this team really the polished guys anymore, the Julios, mm-hmm. the guys that was on the team. We don't have a lot of veterans. So having guys like Roddy White come back to uh, to the camp and talk to these guys, like I said, the Terrence Mathis of the world, like the Chuck Smiths, we had him on our show, and he was talking about where he couldn't go back when Dan Quinn and stuff was there. I think that that's wise to bring back, especially your greats. you got to bring them back. And Roddy was, to me, one of the greatest – uh, wide receivers uh, in the NFL in his time. Like, I don't think Roddy White gets his due. You know, he was Julio before Julio. He broke all of the records, and he was that guy that helped Julio along. You know, he was the one who showed Julio the ropes at the end of the mm-hmm. day. So I think having Roddy, uh, Roddy back is great, and I just love Roddy, period, because his loyalty. Like, Roddy is a Falcon for life. Like, he's one of those guys I've never had anything bad. Like, I've to be honest, I've never heard any negative things about Roddy, even when he was with Atlanta and now that he's retired. To me, all time, one of the better wide receivers of all time. So, I think it's great to have those guys back at camp. Like I said, because the information that they can give these young guys and, you know, as far as teaching them the game, because we have a lot of young studs. Drake London is one of the guys I've seen Roddy White, you know, talking to a lot today. So I definitely think it's great to have those guys back because they're going to be able to impart some of that wisdom and some of that knowledge that the coaches sometimes can't give you. Like, I don't care what you say. Yeah, you got the Dean P's. Yeah, you got the Arthur Smiths. But sometimes hearing it from somebody that did it at the highest level, which is a Roddy White, that's, you know, the value that he can give these guys and the knowledge that he can pour in. It's not, it's like no other. So I think it's great having those guys back and hopefully this opens the door for more former Falcon players to come back and impart these players. Mm-hmm. I just thought about something. And this came from a conversation I had earlier. I think, yeah, it was with Mike as well. It was Mike, Mike and Jim. We was talking off. I had a conversation. I just thought about it. 2016, 2017, you saw a lot of the ex. Well, you've seen a few of the ex Falcon football players running around teaching the team. The minute they started banning the ex players, the Falcons started playing terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which leads to the question: Was 
how much of an asshole was Dan Quinn really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just talking about as far as the culture of the team. Is this one of the major reasons why the team was kind of disconnected in a way? Because one thing I learned is once you disconnect yourself from the history of where you at, the energy is off. It's not a coincidence that you was working with Chuck Smith and then you bring in a Dwight Franey and Vic Beasley leading the league in sacks. Hmm. The minute you ban one guy and the second you cut the other guy, Vic Beasley going back to five sacks. Hmm. You got Chuck Smith out here working with pass rushers. Grady Jarrett. Do a little thing with Jonathan Babineau. Mm-hmm. Chuck Smith ain't allowed. They bring in Tyler Davidson. And you seen what the error of that shit done left us. And then you allow Brian Cox. You just fired Brian Cox. Said he was too difficult. You fired Brian Cox, the same Brian Cox that put Rasheed Hageman in check. Mm-hmm. Rasheed, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the this is this this is where this is a problem where the ego of certain guys is detrimental to the cause. And Dan Quinn, like I said, a lot of us didn't pay attention to it because he doesn't really say much in all his post-game interviews and conferences, all robotic and sound the exact same. We're gonna play hard as hell. We're gonna play hard as hell. We're playing mad. I'm like, where? We're fighting. We're going to fight. We're going to be tough. And, at, and all at this same time, he was sucking the energy out of this team. And we didn't even see it. And it really came into fruition for this team after that Super Bowl. Fast and physical. Where the hell was the physical part? Because I damn sure didn't see it. Mm-mm. We're mad as hell. But you had an Amber Rose Suki Hana slut walk defense. I didn't see anything angry about that. Okay, Styles, you just brought up something. What was I thought up? about it? I thought about it. But The ego on Dan Quinn is what got us to this part. The ego, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov got us. He was having an internal fight with Thomas Dimitrov, and those guys were having a fight back and forth. But if you look at why the Falcons had that success, it's because they had a multitude of guys on the offensive side of the ball and the defense side of the ball that had experience. Once those guys left, that's when you start to see the decline in play. Because on the defense side of the ball, 
we didn't have issues getting sacks early in. We didn't we got after the quarterback. We got sacks. The problem is when you got rid of Marco and May, like every every on the defense side of the ball, it was always a guy that he got rid of. For the very first moment that he even got here, he fired somebody. From the very first, the, the year he had success, he fired the guy. And that Richard, Richard. So he had been firing guys and blaming everybody else for the mishaps from the very beginning. We go to the Super Bowl. How the hell you how, how the hell you get to the Super Bowl to that point? Everybody got fired. It seemed like every year on the defense side of the ball, somebody got fired. And you got, you know, Chuck Smith. He didn't even allow Chuck to even come back to training camp once he figured out he was getting success, having success with those guys, teaching those guys the proper way to rush the passer. He didn't even allow Chuck to come back. Every year, Dan Quinn followed, so fired somebody on his staff. Everybody was always, for whatever reason, whether it's a secondary guy, the linebacker coach, the defensive line coach, the defensive coordinator, somebody got fired every year. And I'm not talking about somebody left. Somebody got fired. So all this, all this stuff was right in our face. We knew who was uh, we know who was the real guy who was, you know, responsible for the lack of uh, of, of guys um, on the defensive side of the ball, especially the defensive line. It's all Dan Quinn. That's why you see right now. That's why you see even in Dallas, the same thing happened to them right now. They had what's called just leave, and then here they go pick up Anthony Barr today. He can't develop players, so he bring in other guys. Just saying, man. Just throwing it out there for people to think for themselves. That's all. Brian Cox, Marquand Manuel. Richard, Richard, Smith. Richard Smith. Brian, Brian, I don't know why Brian. Uh, um, because it all honestly, and as we know, after that Super Bowl, the offensive line, the offensive coordinator position was set up for Matt LaFleur. Mm-hmm. But he wanted his guy. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Then they made the worst mistake they could ever make. They bought back Farmer Friend and it went straight to hell after that. Well, we what 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 I cast I cast the Falcons straight to hell. That that that's what that 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 that's that dirt cutter's new name right there. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> I was mad as hell when they when they uh when they uh when D Led announced that he was coming back. I said, Lord have mercy. I tried to give it a I tried to give it a chance. 
So. But yeah, I was mad as hell when that, that happened. Like I said, you had guys oh. that that was still or was uh, previously on the Kyle Shanahan uh, coaching staff that we had here, but we just let those guys walk for nothing and brought back some fucking dirt cutter. Because I know right now Arthur Smith's main thing he said in his introductory press conference was, I'm not going to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm going to have smart guys around me. Mm-hmm. Now we know what that meant. Now thinking about that Dan Quinn era, thinking about how he disrespected those former players, it makes you think. Thomas Dimitrov, Dan Quinn, a.k.a. Smithers and Gilbert destroyed the psyche of the Atlanta Falcons. Think about that for a second. Mike Smith had two losing seasons and got fired after 2012. I think it was two losing seasons. 13, 14. Got fired after two losing seasons. Mhm. I don't want to think too much more of that shit because I, I, I'm, start, I'm, I'm starting to get a bad, I'm starting to get a headache now, bro. I'm like, I'm like, it, it makes so much sense. Like, why you don't never really, you never really saw a lot of the former players come out there is because his ego was not going to allow him to have these former players come in and get be the influences to these players and help these players get better because they did it without Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want that. So we dealt with a bunch of egomaniacs. Now mm-hmm. we got a bunch of we got a bunch of um I was gonna say a bunch of shit talkers because they they just Arthur Smith and DP talk a lot of shit to the media. They ain't having it. <laughs> we got two coaches that ain't having it. Damn. But one thing that you told me, <laughs> that, uh, Kevin, why you saying that, uh, Six? Like, one thing I can say about the new coaching staff, and we've seen this with Dan Quinn. You guys know I was a huge Dan Quinn supporter when he was here. But one thing I see with this new coaching staff is they protect their players. And our last coaching staff to me didn't do that. We go back to the That's a great point. We didn't have coaches that protected our players. What did they say after the game when Dallas recovered the onside kick that nobody wanted to touch? I didn't hear none yeah. of the coaches and you know we the told fans. them to don't touch the ball. Nobody was, you know, wanted to jump on, you know fall on the sword as they say for the players and you heard Dean P saying why he stated what he was standing about us having the defense like Baltimore he basically talked about these players I have to make these players believe that they can win when they're told mm-hmm. how bad they suck how much they suck and that they're not good players and that this, this is a losing organization eventually mm-hmm. you start to believe it mm-hmm. so I feel like this new you know this new 
coaching staff, the reason they're so hard on the media is because we know the media don't support our team. So they have to defend these players at all costs. And that's mm-hmm. something that I don't think our last regime did. Everybody was, you know, nobody wanted to talk. Even when we blew the 25-point lead, like who actually went to the podium and said it was my fault? Other than Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan always fell on the sword, no matter what, and said, you know, I didn't do enough. Which we know he played his tail off, but he would always go out to the podium and say, because personally, if it would have been me, I'm not going out there and talking to the media after I blew a 25-point lead. Just find me, because I'm not, you ain't, no. I ain't doing, especially when I know the coaching staff didn't do what they were supposed to do. You didn't see uh, Kyle Shanahan. You didn't see Dan Quinn. You didn't see none of those guys on it. It was all a brace to suck and all about pointing the fingers at the players or what the players weren't doing. But as the leader of the team, you're always responsible at the end of the day. As the leader, you're responsible as the head coach and as the the, uh, defensive coordinator, which basically you the head coach of the defense as the offensive coordinator, head coach of the offense, you're responsible at the end of the day. And that's the reason I think that you see Arthur Smith, they're so hard on the media. We were just, you were just playing. They were talking about Marcus Mariota and his edge. He's snapping because he's, he wants Marcus Mariota to understand that I'm defending you, bro. I got Mm -hmm. your back. Like I'm not going to let the media play you like that. I got Mm -hmm. your back. That's my players. And you're not going to talk bad about my players and try to play him like that. So that's one mm-hmm. thing I can respect about this coaching staff. Both Dean Pease, they always come out in front and take the bullets for their players, and that's what you're supposed to do as a head coach. It never should be a finger pointed at the players. If you want to fuss at them in the locker room, that's one thing. But in front of the media, I'm the face of this franchise. I'm the captain of this ship as the head coach. If anybody's going to you know, get the brunt of it, it's going to be me. And I feel like our last regime didn't do a good job of supporting our players and standing up and saying, look, it was our fault. We told the players to do the wrong thing, whatever. And I feel like that's something, as we talk about, what's the word we always say? Accountability. I talked about it in my last video. You got to be accountable. The head person, you got to be the person that stands up and not point at your players. That's something that uh, you remember last year, uh, not not last year, but 2000, the end of 20, uh, before we hired – Arthur Smith, the end of the game, the end of the year when I forget what game it was, and Dan Quinn had already been fired. And one of the guys that came out and blamed all the players, uh, and Keanu, Keanu Neal kind of pointed his finger and it's like, no, the Falcons, um, the game plan was actually designed by Bob Sutton. He tried to take all the credit for it. And um, Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris tried to take – because he, he took shots at Matt Ryan in the press conference, and he tried to take all the credit for the game plan that Bob Sutton had put. And Keanu Neal and, and Grady Jarrett actually came out and stated, it's like, no, he not – like, he didn't do that. – that actually came from Bob Sutton. So, uh, like, I think that's a very good point, you is that as a head coach – um, I don't think the entire team felt like they had their back. And this is why guys like Julio Jones love Dan Quinn because they like you never heard him say anything bad about Julio Jones. If Julio Jones didn't practice, if Julio Jones made a mistake, he was just all right, that old boy who and that would be it. We'll get better. But soon as somebody else on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, they were always 
take the brunt of the punishment. And that's something, and that's, and that's what we're talking about as far as him always deciding to get rid of certain guys because he only had a certain level of uh, accountability. He never wanted to be accountable for whatever went wrong. So that basically goes with the analogy that you put out Monday, I think, where it was like, we always whoop the ugly kids, but we always mm-hmm. forget yeah. the cute kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what I, that's exactly what I mean. Accountability. Mm-hmm. We talked about it. Accountability. You know, we, we know Julio didn't practice. We know that. That's why I said that's the reason why Julio wanted out. Like, let's be real. We don't want to get back, go back down that, you know, go back down that track. But we know he didn't want to be here because he knows that Arthur Smith is a coach that's going to make you grind. He don't mm-hmm. care. You just heard Dean P say in his interview this past week, I don't care how much money you make. I bench players that make more money than other players. I don't care <laughs> yeah. about that. I care about mm-hmm. if you're getting the job done. That's mm-hmm. it. Blue collar. There's no more white collar. This is all blue collar. Everybody got to earn their keep, period. I don't care who you are. You can be a future Hall of Famer. If you can't practice, if you can't meet the standard, then you got to mm-hmm. play for another team, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We hitting on way too many gems with that. Now, I don't think people go <laughs> – Hey, look, y'all better put some money in the collection plate. Hey, well, y'all got to, man. Hit them super chat. Good God, because y'all getting some y'all getting some information that you know you're not. Y'all know y'all not going to get this anywhere else. Y'all know that? Hey, just go ahead hey, look, and show us some love. Hey, look. Hey, look, hey, look, and I'm about to say, we about to get off here in about a few minutes. I'm going to leave y'all with a quote for the night. We haven't did it in a couple days, but I'm going to leave you for a quote for the night. We need one of those. Y'all ready for the quote? I got it right here. Yes, sir. It says, a wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. What y'all mm. think of that about that one? <laughs> hey, man. That's I want to think. Oh, I, <laughs> look, 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 look. I got, look, look. People, people that are watching, we appreciate y'all. Like I said, the quote of the night is, a wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. And basically everything, basically everything we just said pertaining to what we heard in the press conference with Arthur Smith goes along with what this quote is. Mm-hmm. Think about it. You get a dumbass question, you learn about people's tendencies with that. But learn somebody who you learn about people from questions that they ask, but this is this go this goes back to the the I know more than you versus the I'm willing to learn thing. Like they like they said, the fool knows everything, but the wise man knows nothing. Mm-hmm. 
because the wise man is always going to learn. If the fool that thinks he knows everything can't learn anything because he already knows everything. Mm -hmm. Dan Quinn was the damn fool who thought he knew everything. Boom. Cost you a Super Bowl. Cost yourself a Super Bowl. You know, cost yourself a lot of games based on decisions that you didn't make as a head coach, putting everybody in place and accountability, not just certain people. Mm-hmm. Now, Arthur Smith got a few years to do what he's doing, but right now he's playing the wise guy role. He doesn't know everything. He's learning what these guys can do. He's learning the tendencies of these players. And this mm-hmm. is what you want because, and what you said, he's fighting for these players. He does not give a damn about his reputation to us, to you, to anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm going to protect my guys. The Falcons had no business winning seven games last year, even though me and you said they was going to win 10 games. That's just the optimism right. that we have for this team. Falcons had no business winning seven games last year. No. If you really, really think about it. Yeah, you may may say, well, they didn't play against top-level, great competition. At the end of the day, they had no business winning games. So... We're going to leave you off with that gem right there, man. We're going to definitely wind this down for the night. Um, we definitely appreciate everybody. Wait a minute. I'm doing it wrong. You know I got to do it right. It is Wednesday show. So y'all make sure y'all go ahead and leave your thumbs up. Tell us how you feel about these shows. Leave your comments, questions on everybody's channel. You make sure you subscribe to Bad Mike Sports. Jew Talk Sports. Six Man K-Styles. Because at the end of the day, what we do here is we have the conversation and we want everybody's input. The heavy hitters, the trio of minds, stats, facts, truth. This is what we do. So until next time, people, we appreciate what you got for us. We ain't here to play. We here to stay. You ain't got to go home. But just don't be Dan Quinn. <laughs> Deuces. Yes, I am.